Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Friday Night Ohio podcast powered by the Canton Repository. We're back in the office tonight. It's Cliff Hickman with Mike Popovich. How are you doing tonight, Mike? Very well, Cliff. Glad to be back in the office. Yeah, it's been a long week of uh, weekend of high school football, I should say. It seems to take up the whole week, though, when you're writing previews and stories and leading into it. But we both just hit the office from our games. Mike, you were over at Sandy Valley where the Cardinals put up a 58-7 to win over Tusla. Uh, tell us a little about that one. Well, if people see the score 58-7, to you know, and they didn't see the game, they probably think, Oh my goodness, Cam Blair had another one of those great passing games and Demetrius Evans and Mason Tucci caught a lot of touchdown passes. Uh, They did contribute uh, to the cause, but uh, the big story in this game was the play of of Sandy Valley's defense. Three defensive touchdowns for the Cardinals, one by Ben Petro, uh, one by... um, Chad Davis and another one by Elijah Rice. And these were long interception returns for touchdowns. Petros went for 80 yards. So, um, you know, that was uh, that was the big key for them. Uh, two of those came in the uh, first half when Sandy Valley really, really took command of the game. They were up 14-0 after one quarter, up 42-7 uh, to seven at halftime. And, you know, with the running clock, it was just a, a quick finish for the Cardinals. So um, another big thing for them is uh, this is their first playoff win since 2015. So for these current players, this is the first time they ever uh, tasted victory in the playoffs. They lost in the first round to uh, Manchester in 2018 and lost in the first round to Kirtland last year. And they gave Kirtland one of uh, the, the team that went on to win the Division Five state title. They gave them one of their toughest playoff games last year. So um, it's a, it was a huge win for them. I know they were really looking forward to, you know, getting that monkey off the back after two first-round losses, and now they move on to play uh, at Martins Ferry next week. And I was over at Central Catholic, where in Division Six the Crusaders were hosting Tusky Valley. That was a 49-7 win for Central Catholic, Mike. And you talked about turnovers. Central Catholic forced a lot of those. We had four interceptions in the first half for Central. Michael Manastra had two interceptions for Central in that sequence, and then we also had Riley Campbell with one and Denny Heck with one. Heck and Manastra each returned one of those interceptions for a touchdown, and that kind of made a big difference. Sophomore quarterback Jack Talkington uh, threw two touchdowns threw two touchdowns and ran for another. I'm having all kind of trouble here, folks. You didn't hear the stuff that happened before this, but trust me, it was bad, and there's words in it I can't repeat in this segment. It's a player of the week segment. Yeah. On my third take. (laughs) Yeah. It's three take Cliff tonight, but uh, Talkington threw two touchdowns, ran for another. Heck and Campbell, who had interceptions, they also caught a touchdown each. So both sides of the ball having some fun tonight. Yeah, I know, uh, you know, earlier in this year, uh, Coach Jeff Lindesman talked about, you know, just trying to get consistency, you know, trying to get 
four good quarters together. You know, they would play two good quarters, uh, you know, as, as in the case when they played Louisville. They jumped out to a lead. Louisville rallied in that game to win the game. So you can't really judge, uh, you know, a game that was 49 nothing at halftime and then ends with a running clock and 49-7. But if you take that first half, you know, when the game was really decided, I, I think, uh, you know, Coach Lindsmith really had to be really pleased with uh, what happened tonight. And, uh, you know, when you go through a 1-5 regular season and you play the type of teams that Central does, um, you know, this, this, is, this is big for them. I mean, they couldn't go in and look at Tusky Valley's record and say they're a Division Six team. You know, we should be able to handle them because we play the tougher schedule. you got to come out and play. And it looks like they really did that tonight. And the one thing Coach Linda Smith was really happy about, he said this was the best they had run the ball between the tackles all night. Uh, Jack Talkington's touchdown run went for 73 yards right up the gut there at one point. He just tucked it down and outran the entire defense. So they had a really nice night in all phases of the game, and they go to Hanoverton United next week, and I don't know if I'm feeling real comfortable from Hanoverton United that, you know, you can take a look at the the record of Central Catholic, but you mentioned all those tough teams they play. I think that's going to be another really interesting game to keep an eye on next week. Yeah, you just, uh, if you're Central Catholic, you know, you just – Happy you happy you played well, and you move on to the next opponent, and not worry about you know. Hey, we went one and five during the regular season. You know that's that's irrelevant right now. This is a new season. The playoffs are here, and you know, you just take it one week at a time. And looking at some other games from around the area tonight, Mike, not a lot of really competitive games, with one exception. Uh, Smithville defeated East Canton 12 to six. That was the probably the closest local game of the night. This game was tied six six at halftime. East Canton really played well in the second half of the season. Yeah, they were a very young team coming into the season. You know, they didn't know who they were going to play at quarterback coming in. They had a freshman, Connor Betts, and uh, Chase Vaco uh, was in line for the job. They split the duties between the two early on, and then Betts kind of took over uh, the majority of the uh, of of the role. Uh, you know, as the season went on, so. Uh, you know, it's a, a couple of uh, under 500 seasons for East Canton after that good stretch that they had, you know, of making the playoffs. But uh, yeah, it was a really it was a really young team this year, and uh, you know, I'm sure I don't know who you know they have slated for regular season games now that they're out of the playoffs. But you know, that that gives them three more opportunities for this for this young group to. Uh, to improve and get better and prepare for uh, 2021. And then looking at some of the other games from around the area, St. Thomas Aquinas defeated Newton Falls 48-0 tonight, Mike. The Knights, speaking of teams that have really turned it on in the second half of the season, really playing well. Yeah, they just, uh, you know, the momentum from a, a win over rival Central Catholic last week, they just continue right on and uh you know st thomas aquinas able to jump out to a 34 half 34 nothing halftime lead this game was you know basically over then and uh you know a lot of big plays made by some of their athletes tonight uh you know deandre black a 71 yard touchdown run uh in the third quarter 
he's had a really good season defensively, has been asked to play uh, a number of positions, including quarterback on offense. So, uh, yeah, Aquinas, uh, you know, their record now, uh, I believe, is now 4-2, four, four wins in a row after a, four wins in a row after an 0-2 start. And, uh, hey, who knows? Uh, I, I haven't looked at the brackets, but, uh, you know, we, hey, maybe we could see another uh, Central uh, Aquinas game in the postseason here now that they're both in Division Six. It's certainly something to keep an eye on as well as both of them played tonight. And then we had a rematch of the regular season. Final score, this one about the same as a couple weeks ago, unfortunately. Beaver Local defeats Minerva 53-14 in that one. Uh, We go to where Chris Easterling was. Cleveland, Villa Angelo, St. Joseph, 28, Fairless, 17. So that was a a tough loss there for the Falcons, Mike. Yeah, that's that's kind of surprising because Fairless came in 4-2 on the season. Uh, Villa Angela St. Joe's uh, 0-6, so they're not reminding you of the great, you know, Villa Angela St. Joe's teams that they had in the past. And uh, you know, I see, uh, you know, Fairless uh, was able to rally from a 14-0 deficit. They scored 17 points in the third quarter uh, to take the lead, and then uh, St. Joe's uh, gets two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to uh, uh, to get their first victory of the season and. Uh, you know, like I said before, you know, hey, it's a new season. You know, if you if you go winless in the regular season and you gain a win in the playoffs, that's uh, that's a big deal. That's a big deal because this is the biggest time of the season here. And then on to a Pac-17 that had a little more success. Manchester defeated Richmond Edison 35-7 to tonight, Mike. So a good win for the Panthers. Yeah, this is a, this is a Manchester team that's, uh, that's really had trouble uh, scoring points. As a matter of fact, uh, I believe uh, in their only regular season win, uh, which was over Fairless, that was 7-0. 7-0. Yeah, you're so, correct. Uh, and, and now they roll up uh, 35 on uh, Richmond Edison. So, uh, yeah, a good win for the Panthers tonight. And that's pretty much it for tonight. We're going to go back and take a look at some scores from last night. Mike, you were out at Marlington where Kenston, just a couple years removed from a state title, defeated the Dukes 40-7. to I'm a little surprised at, at the final score being what it was. Yeah, I was a little surprised that I didn't even remember the Kenston won a state title right here in our own backyard when we had the games here. And, uh, you know, from what I understood, they had uh, – uh, last year's team was a, a senior-laden class from the state championship team that yeah. lost to New Philadelphia in the first round, and all those guys graduated. And they come into this game, uh, I believe they had only played four games, if I'm right, Cliff? Yes, uh, yes. Uh, with, a, with a two-and-two record. And, uh, yeah, they they showed that, you know, hey, some of those great players have graduated, but they got some really good skill. Unfortunately for Marlington, um, just just bad news that the quarterback Connor Evanich uh, went down with a pretty serious injury. Oh, and, that's uh, not good. Uh, in the first uh, in the first half, and uh, Coach Mark Gulling doesn't uh, believe uh, you know that he'll be back uh, for this season. They put their backup in Wyatt Dillon, who's a freshman, and he played he played pretty well for them. And uh, he went down with an injury. So they had to go to their third-string quarterback in a playoff game, which is, 
which is not ideal, you know, if you haven't played the position very much. But, uh, yeah, Marlington, with the with the injuries to the quarterbacks, the, the skill that Kenston had, and, and the Dukes had so many opportunities in the red zone, and they just couldn't take advantage uh, early on when the game was within reach. It was only 21-0 at halftime, and they just couldn't, uh, they just couldn't catch up. And then I was over at Louisville, a little more offensively challenged for both teams in that one. Notre Dame Cathedral Latin prevailed 14-7 to over the Leopards. I guess the, the final two minutes, 13 seconds was really the story in that one, Mike. Uh, Brock Pickens catches a touchdown five yards out from Tyler Jackson with 2.13 left to pull, to pull Louisville within a score. They go for the onside kick. It's about as beautiful as you could imagine. 15 yards downfield. There's a major pile up. Louisville comes out of the pile with the ball, but apparently the official had already signaled that uh, Notre Dame Cathedral Latin had recovered, so ball or not, it went to uh, it went over to Notre Dame Cathedral Latin, and the Lions were able to run out the clock from there, but uh, a really tough break for, for Louisville. Where's the instant replay when you need it, right? <laughs> well, it was a rough night for the officiate, and those guys have a tough job. I get it. You know, everyone makes mistakes. Nothing's perfect, but at one point, Louisville was lining up for a fourth and seven with a minute left in the first half, score 7-0. The official stopped him at the line of scrimmage, threw a flag, and called intentional grounding on the previous play and backed him up 15 yards, and it turned into a punt. So it was kind of a, a strange night. Like I tweeted, that was like a bottle gate scenario. The call was so late. They almost got another snap off before they called the... Yeah, I was going to say, it could have been like bottle gate. They could have, you know, they could have took the snap and said oh, oh let's talk about it you know we have uh we have something happened on the previous play so cliff we got to get down and uh talk to uh, uh the young listeners out there who don't even know anything about Bottlegate. I, i'm sure we could do 30 minutes on that you know about how mixed up that game was uh do we want to just give them the highlights uh the browns apparently <laughs> controversial play they're driving against i believe it was the jaguars if i'm not yes. mistaken they're driving down the field had i think it was a pass completion that could have gone i think they ended up ruling it incomplete but the rule is once you snap a pass you can't review the previous play the browns got the snap off on the next play but the officials went back and reviewed it anyway overturned it to an incompletion which i think resulted in a turnover it basically ended the game and Cleveland Browns fans at the time had the uh, soft bottles the beer were in and they littered the field chucked them at the officials and uh, generally had a had a pretty bad time there for everyone involved not a good look for Cleveland not a good day for the officials it was kind of a black eye for everybody involved well right and and the thing was that was a really important game it was from the Browns standpoint I mean it was their uh, third year back in the NFL and you're coming off you know two lousy seasons to start and you're in a position to possibly make the playoffs and that that happens so uh yeah yeah if you ever if you've never seen it you know you go on youtube and 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 take a look at what happened but it was just i saw you tweeted that last night and it kind of reminded me yeah that's there's probably a lot of you know kids who play football right now who have no idea what that uh what that game was like 
Yeah, I keep forgetting that I've gotten old and might be dating myself but uh, with those references. But Louisville, again, they lost a ton of people this season, played really competitive all year. Uh, Coach Troy Davis, probably one of the, 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 bet, the nicest guys you'll meet in any, in any sport, quite frankly. I don't know that I've met too many guys that have his character as far as, as talking to you even after a tough game like that. But uh, I, I think they're going to be poised for big things in the future. I think this was kind of a year for them. to. They're still planning on – they have some games on the schedule. And uh, so we might see them again out there. They've got a couple more regular season home games that may happen. But something to keep an eye on. And I, I think there's big things in store for them in the future. Uh, just, you know, he's their third coach in three years. And I think once he gets his program installed, which COVID made that very difficult right. this offseason, I, I think it's he's going to really do some special things there one day. And then going over to look at McKinley, this one uh, I think may have broke Josh Weir's uh, tweeting hand, Mike. Yeah, uh, 54-32 over Berea Midpark. Kind of resembles uh, the type of games you see in the SEC these days. You know, just a just a high scoring game for McKinley. Um, yeah, it's good. To, it's 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 a good win uh, for them to get back on track after uh, you know really what was a long uh, long afternoon in the in the rivalry game with uh, uh, with Maslin. Hey, when you get three guys who run for over a hundred yards, that's a really good thing, and you really have a good chance to win. And Manny Powell and Rob Jones and and quarterback Elijah Wesley, you know, all all had. Uh, over 100 yards rushing and a touchdown. And uh, Elijah Wesley also uh, threw for 153 yards so and two touchdowns. So it's a good job by the Bulldogs to, to not let the Maslin game just kind of, you know, drag them down. You know, you get into the postseason, you're able to get a win. And then we take a look at Jackson, another high-scoring game. Brunswick prevailed in that one, 42-28. Uh, but the Polar Bears played well early in that one, but uh, just a lot of offensive firepower to try to keep track of. Yeah, they were able to uh, uh, get the game uh, tied at seven in the first quarter. And then Brunswick Brunswick scores three touchdowns in the second quarter, take a 28-7 to halftime lead. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, polar bears just weren't able to catch up. They tried to rally in the fourth quarter, but they came up short, forty-two to twenty-eight. Yeah, uh, Jackson. Uh, you know, I I thought this was a game that they could win. Uh, you know, going in, and uh, you know, Brunswick just too tough for them. Then we take a look at St. Edward, 42, Glen Oak, 0. Glen Oak, you talk about teams with tough breaks. They, I think it was really tough. I was there the, for the first game of the season against Hoover where they lost Isaiah Knox for the season. On like the, That was their starting quarterback on like the second snap of the year. And then you're looking at uh, a backup that, again, hadn't really played. He'd been playing wide receiver all summer, and all of a sudden he's, he's in a quarterback. So that was, that was a tough situation for them all year. And the Federal League doesn't give you a lot of room to find your feet when no. you're trying to. No, and, and you, you're right. And, uh, you know, if, if you're looking for teachable moments and you see, you know, hey, here's what your program can be like. And you look at teams in the federal league and then, oh, by the way, you have to go play Lakewood St. Edward on the road uh, in the playoffs. So 
you know, that's the only thing, you know, that uh, Coach Bob Alderson can hope is, you know, uh, you know, as he builds his program there, you know, the, the he see the, the players see, you know, in the opposition they play what it takes and, uh, you know, learn from that and, uh, you know, try to get the try to get the program back on track. And then we had Lake with a 37-7 win over Columbus St. Charles, Mike, and that really nice night for the Blue Streaks. Uh, yeah, uh, they were able to, uh, you know, good good job running the football, a good job passing the football, uh, really good uh, really good defense. Uh, Jake Eccles, uh, 216 yards passing and, and two touchdowns. And, uh, you know, Lake's a team that, you know, they kind of started a little – Started a little slow this year, and uh, but they've been able to, uh, uh, you know, they've been able to put things together and 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 get on a roll here. And uh, you know, I believe that this sets up a matchup with Hoover next week. I believe that is what we have on the schedule here. So that's, I mean, it was good the first time around. I'd imagine we're going to be in for a fun night on that one. That's going to be great for, uh, I think both communities are really going to be looking forward to that game. We're all about the storylines in our business. And if, uh, if you can get a Hoover Lake playoff matchup, that's a good story. It, it definitely helps with your research. If you draw that over drawing something like say Columbus, St. Charles, which you're not really familiar with on a day-to-day, day-to-day covering basis. And then our last one, another heartbreaking night for Alliance, Mike. They fall to Hubbard 42-38 to in the first round of the playoffs. The Aviators drop to 0-7. It's been just a, a really tough year. Alliance, I think, I'm going to count them up here. I know it's a really ridiculous number. That is the fifth game they lost by a touchdown or less this season. It's not like they're getting blown out in these games. It's just, it's, and, you know, talking to Coach Seth Whiting, even he struggles to, you know, you might see your luck run one way or the other, but you think you'd get a couple of them just on a coin toss or something. It's well, been a well, tough season. Well, right. I mean, I, I can't believe they're 0-7. I, I really can't, you know, with, you know, the, the, the type of players they have. And, and like you said, you know, that's many of these games were so close. I mean, who knows? They could be three and four, four and three or whatever. But, uh, you know, they'll get uh, they'll get a few more chances to try to, you know, get a uh, get a win or two before the season ends. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when you, you know, play that well in a playoff game and you still come up short, I mean, that's got to be that's got to be hard for that team. Yeah, quarterback Brandon Alexander had a really big night for the Aviators, and that's one of the – it's still one of the, the – just one of the most fun players to watch in the area. Six-foot-three quarterback. He's a Youngstown State commit. He moves really well in the open field. He runs like a fullback. This isn't a guy that goes out of bounds. When he breaks into the secondary, he's going to try and run you over. And he's got a nice arm. And, yeah, just a, a really good player. But you might have some chances to, to see him. Uh, one of the games I'd heard about Louisville possibly playing in the couple in, in the coming weeks is against the Lions. Well, obviously not a playoff game. Still, that's, a, that's another fun matchup between – two local communities that I think could be, you know, end up being a really good thing for both programs if it happens. Two old NBC foes yeah. as well. So, that'd be, that would be nice to see if that happens. 
And that about does it for the the first week of the playoffs, Mike. Is there anything that really caught your eye here? I think everything played out uh, other than maybe some scores here or there about how we thought it might. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't really, I mean, I mean, there wasn't really that many surprises uh, this week. I, I think, you know, I, I, the only game that I probably stood out to me that wasn't, you know, that I would have thought would have gone the other way would have been the uh, Fairless Villain. That was St. the Jones one I game. would have said as well. I, I really thought Fairless was going to get that one. But I thought, you know, there would, <laughs> tonight would have been a night where we might where we might see some, you know, some lopsided scores based on the matchups. And, and we did see that. And I think the majority of the teams that were, you know, uh, favored to win, you know, have moved on to the second round. So, uh <laughs> In this uh, in this unique postseason, in this unique season, we'll see what uh, next week uh, brings us. And I'm sure we'll be here to wrap it all up or preview it, depending on how the schedule goes. Things are picking up. A lot of other sports starting their tournaments as well. I know I'm going to be out at some golf next week. Are you going to be out at some golf as well, Mike? I'm going to be at some golf. I uh, hear I'm going to be uh, uh, at... Uh, Hudson's Ellsworth course to watch the uh, the uh, girls Division One district tournament, which should have uh, uh, some good uh, federal league representation. You know, challenging for uh, state bursts. So, oh, absolutely. You think Madison Reem Snyder? All eyes, obviously, on her when you talk about girls golf. Second in the state individually last year. Avery Wright from Jackson, another another great golfer there as well. Yeah, I mean, when you look at federal league girls golf, I mean, how competitive it is, and uh, you know, uh, you know, Madison Reem Snyder, uh, you know, being a division uh, one state runner-up, as you said having to win the sectional by just one stroke last week over Avery Wright. So, you know, it shows you how good Avery Wright is. And then Rachel DiDonato from Green did what every golfer wants to do. She had a hole-in-one. Yeah. <laughs> Which, and, and I don't know if I was more shocked about that or shocked about the fact that she told me that this was her second hole-in-one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one is hard. You know, I saw Sophia Rosa do that from Perry last year at the county meet, and that was like her first career one. That's always a, an incredible accomplishment. <laughs> Everyone who golfs should get a hole-in-one at some point in their life. You would hope so. And I'm up at Hinkley early in the week for the boys' Division One tournament, and Tell you what, Green was a real surprise. They finished, I think, third in the regular season after everything was said and done, and they, they, they win the sectional. Freshman Kyle Smith uh, won the tournament there and will be leading them into that, but Lake has a really solid team. Cam Horning, Joseph Evans, the two upperclassmen, really playing well there. So there's some other things to keep an eye on besides football next week. Yeah, well. and if you're going to speak about golf, this is the week uh, for the uh, – state tournament in golf for uh, divisions two and three and central catholics really had a good year and is really having a good postseason so they might be a team to watch uh, in columbus uh, next weekend that uh, i have a feeling i'm going to be uh, working some phone lines because they have had a great year and certainly wish uh, the crusaders the best of luck as they head down there it's always a 
it's always a fun event to cover. I've only gotten to do it, do it once, but man, the, the, <laughs> you talk about the step up in course layout. You go to Ohio State, that's like a whole nother level of difficulty. Yeah, no matter if it's the uh, Scarlet course or the Gray course. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's something else. Really beautiful surroundings down there. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this Friday Night Ohio podcast. I would like to thank everybody for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you.